God says that uh, the soul that sins, it shall surely die. Uh, the wages of sin is death. God sent his son to pay that debt. And when the son died, justice was satisfied. The truth is offensive. The truth is offensive. The gospel is offensive. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. That's John 6, 37. What's going on, good Madison family? I almost said, what's going on, guys? I, I say that every time, so I was trying to mix it up this time. Good Madison family, all 12 of you. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We are on our uh, fourth episode of our five-part series on the doctrines of grace or Calvinism, as everybody likes to call it, uh, or a lot of people like to call it, but that's what we're on, and hopefully you've had a chance to go back and listen to our other episodes. Uh, judging by the viewership that we've had, uh, we're down a little bit this week, and we've either um, made everybody mad and they've quit listening, or uh, I hadn't shared it on the Facebook until just tonight, so that may, you know, maybe that'll pick up a few, but it is what it is. Seth? How's your week been going so far, man? It's going good. I'm I'm sore. I started back working out at the gym. I was gonna say I thought you looked a little a little more buff coming through the door tonight. I'm probably swelled up from being sore. That's about it. No muscle gain, but yeah, you never. There's a big difference in 19 and almost 30 in your body. Sure. Like, yeah. I used to be able to go in there and not stretch or anything. Now if I don't stretch, I pull a muscle. And, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it takes a lot longer to recover too. Yeah, you could definitely tell age. Yeah, you could definitely tell ten year difference yeah, in age. Yeah, it's almost like God created us to get old. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems that way, but yeah. Well, let's get into this, man. Um, so, being a, on the five part series tonight is on the I in tulip, and we had total depravity was the first episode, unconditional election was the second limited atonement was the third and tonight is the fourth one it's irresistible grace which is um you know i I know we've talked about it several times there's a lot of different phrases and terms we can use for these doctrines um and i know you're going to talk about a little bit but let's kind of get into it when you hear irresistible grace uh what's the first thing that came to your mind the first time you ever heard before you became a, a, a reformed baptist well, when you first hear irresistible grace, you think God's grace is never resisted. That's mm-hmm. the first thing That's you a very, hear. I think of this kicking and screaming, you know. Um, God dragging people against their own wheels mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I thought, too. The same same thing comes to your mind. Yeah, that's the, when I first heard irresistible grace, I said, there's no way I believe that. Yeah. I mean, that's what came to my mind. Because right. out of all the five points, that's the one. That I had trouble figuring out. I believe eternal security. I believe in a sense total depravity. I didn't have a problem with limited atonement. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds crazy, but I really didn't have a problem with an unconditional election once I realized how God don't look into the future. He decrees the future, so I didn't have a problem with that. So when it came to irresistible grace, about 3 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. I was watching a movie called Calvinist, crying out to God, begging god for help i actually got to a point i ordered a movie online marcus 
and I couldn't wait and realize I could download it at mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. on my phone. So I downloaded it and watched it that night. And Paul Washer was explaining it, and I'll just click just like that. Yeah. So what I mean, if you're going to give a definition of irresistible grace, what how would you? De- what's the best way you would define that? Well, effectual calling is a good way. It's a different way of saying it. Effectual calling, um, which is basically the same thing. Irresistible grace, effectual calling, same thing. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit here, but how how what's the way you would probably define it? If somebody was to ask you, what do you mean by irresistible grace? It's not that God drags us and we don't want to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit changes the inclination and disposition of our wills so that we were previously unwilling to embrace the Lord mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, after regeneration takes place, we are willing and more than willing. Indeed, we aren't dragged to Christ. We run to Christ, and we embrace him joyfully because the Spirit has changed our hearts. Yeah, and um, Ligonier gave a, a good explanation of this. I know we both had looked at it. Um, and basically, this is what R.C. Sproul was saying. He said, "It's not he's, uh, irresistible grace is not saying that we can't resist God. We do resist God. Um, but God's grace is so powerful that it has the capacity to overcome our natural resistance to us to it. So that's just a, a reminder from Acts um, thirteen forty eight that we read in a previous episode that as many that were that were appointed to eternal life believed. And so those, uh, and, and we'll get into it a little bit more in a minute. But the regeneration precedes faith is a big part of this, meaning that our heart is changed before we come to Christ. Uh, outside of that, we're going to reject it. Yeah, I mean, God has to do inward work in you before you can believe. And this is what this is about. It's the new birth. Regeneration yeah. precedes faith. That's the new birth. That's what being born again is. Yeah. So did you want to talk? What was the the first uh, subject you had you want to talk on there? Kind of explain it. Well, I was was go- it the inward calling, outward calling? Or you want to? Yeah, we could do that. The outward call is the call that we give. Mm-hmm. We preach the gospel universally. The gospel's awful. Uh, the gospel's not awful. <laughs> the gospel's wonderful. The it's gospel's good news. wonderful. Yeah. The gospel is offered to all. Yeah. And that's the only call man can make is the general call for men to repent and believe. Yeah. We preach that to every creature as our Lord told us to. That's the outward call. Now, if you want to talk about the inward call, you're more than glad. You're more than welcome to. Well, I want to share a verse of scripture here that kind of gives you the uh, a good example of the general outward call and also an inward call in Acts 16 and 14. Let me get there real quick on my cellular device. Um, okay, it said. Mm, well, let's go back up a little further. Uh, this is the conversion of Lydia. So. So setting sail from uh, Troas, we made direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Net... Uh, Net I can't even Are say Are you speaking it. in tongues? <laughs> of Samoth- uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I messed that one up. I messed that one up. Are we still recording? Yeah, we're still recording. And from there to Philippi, <laughs> which is the leading city, the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. And one, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of... I can't even say it. Uh, Tyre. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thyatira. Thyatira. 
a seller of purple goods, who worship, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to it. So they were they they came and brought this message. They sat down. They spoke to these women, which was uh, almost as uh, like an example of a general general call, an outward call. But then you see that the Lord opened Lydia's heart to believe what what was being said there. That that's a great example of the uh, effectual calling. Yeah, I got the Philippian jailer, and from the earthquake shook the jail, and all that was going on. The jailer was going to draw his sword to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Then he says to Paul, what must I do to be saved? Mm-hmm. That right there has God taken out the heart stone already, yeah. giving him a heart flesh. It's the electricity before the light switch comes on. Yeah, it's the regeneration proceeding to faith. Yes. Yeah, because only God can make that change. So because man, man, mankind is spiritually dead, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, we know that's true. Uh, that regeneration, that that act that God does of regeneration, it has to take place in order for us to actually respond to the gospel. Because without it, we would we would continually reject Him, um, and that's where the outward call goes so often, and men reject it because the inward change has not happened yet. It hadn't happened yet, right? So that's yeah. that's how I would explain the. Um, the gen- or not the general call, but the effectual calling. It's God calling. It's God working. And um, we know from John 6, as you read opening up there, um, that the outward call is rejected. We know that. But the effectual call is God's call to those that will come to him, as he said in John 6. Yeah, and in Acts 2.37, this is Peter's first sermon. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart mm-hmm. and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do oh, Siri's trying to get in on this anyways but they said what shall we do there was no altar call they interrupted the sermon pretty much said hey what do we do hey something going on in here what do I, what do I need to do about that this was cut to the heart I mean really when you look at that in scripture yeah. when Peter declares all that to him. Yeah. They were. They didn't know what was about to happen to them. I yeah. mean, the, the ground opened up and ate some people in the Old Testament. Right. Fiery serpents and all that. They didn't know what was about to happen. And they said, what shall we do? And he says, repent and be baptized. Yeah. Which is another subject that gets mixed up. Yeah. But. Well, uh, let me read this from Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Another example here, Paul talking to uh, the church in Thessalonica he says in verse 13 of chapter 2, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Verse 14 says, To this he called you through our gospel. It's still the working of the gospel. Like the, the call still goes out. Whether it's a general call, which is, a, you know, every time the gospel goes out, it's a general call. But this is a perfect example of the general call went out, Paul saying to the, the believers at the church, in the third church of Thessalonica, that general call went out, but he's saying that, um, that, that God is the one, he has called you through this gospel. 
uh, so that you might obtain glory, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's encouraged them to stand firm and hold to the things they've been taught and those type of things. But this is a uh, another showing in the scripture of how God chose these people um, to be saved and then is sanctifying them. But he's saying that he also uh, he he called them through the gospel. That was the same gospel. The general call went out, and God gave an effectual call and changed the heart of these the, the listeners that Paul was speaking to in second. That's Second Thessalonians. I'm struggling with that tonight. Well, he just did have a tooth pulled out, That's so true. we'll give you some grace. Yeah, uh, that goes along with Romans 11:29 for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Yeah. When God calls somebody, He's going to call them. There's no repentance there. God's yeah. going to call yeah. them to salvation. It's going to happen. Yeah, which blows to pieces the Arminian view or the free will view that God can call somebody to faith and repentance, and they can eventually turn back and turn away from him backslide yeah which tip. i'm getting on into the to the last our, la- our next episode our last point we'll uh, save that for later that'll be a good one to get into a little later yeah what else you, was you going to hit on with that one well there's a lot of je- objections to this there mm-hmm. is i mean act 751 grace is resisted by the way at times like we mentioned to begin with yeah this is Stephen preaching. You men, stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the heart and ears, are always resisting the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. That's one people use. Yeah. But we know through other verses that when God actually decides to exercise saving grace upon somebody, it will happen. Yeah. Another one, and it's the view I used to hold, the traditional Baptist view or the Armenian view, is that all men are drawn by the lord mm-hmm. and john this is 12, right. john 12 yeah. uh 32 and if, and i if i am lifted up from the earth will draw all men to myself draw all men to myself so that's where that that thought comes in when you hear that it is and i used to think that god was trying to save everybody as i mentioned before he draws all people as the gospels preach no matter what happens the gospels preach to be drawn well that's not true it's just not what scripture teaches now it's easy to cherry pick scripture out as we said before and come to that conclusion it is but in john 6 when it says in verse 44 no man can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and i will raise him up on the last day that destroys that because they are raised up on the last day to glorification yeah all that are drawn are saved and all that are saved or brought to glorification raised up on the last day. Yeah, let me, uh, I'm flipping over here in my Bible now. I gave up on my cell phone. Siri's trying to listen in on me. Well, while you're doing that, I'm here. in that context in John 12, I believe what Jesus is talking about is he's not just talking about the Jewish people. Now, salvation was a very Jewish thing to the God of Israel. I mean, from the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. Jews thought it was just them that was going to be saved. But for, I think Jesus mentioned, when Jesus mentions this here, he's talking about all men, Jew and Gentile. Yeah. That's the only way it would make sense in Scripture. Yeah. And just to kind of hit home, drive the drive the hammer home on this, um, the golden chain of redemption is just, it's beautiful, a beautiful picture of a lot of things in the doctrines of grace but i'm going to use it tonight to explain irresistible grace 
And Romans 8 and 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be con- he predestined to be conformed. So he chose in eternity past to be conformed, saying that these people that he chose in eternity past would be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom, whom he predestined, he also called. Those that are chosen are the ones that are called. They get the effectual calling, the ones that are chosen. And those who he called, he also justified. So those that are that, is, that receive that effectual calling, God, uh, through what Jesus Christ did and the finished work of Jesus Christ, that's how the ones that are effectually called are justified by that. But those that are justified, it says, he also glorified. So it's the golden chain of redemption of predestination Conform to the image of, of the of the Son of God, but you see predestination, you see um, the effectual calling, justification happens, and then eventually glorification happens. So those that God predestined are the ones that are being conformed to the image of God, and they're the ones that are effectually called. Yeah, that goes right along with all the other verses we mentioned. Yeah. I think what people don't understand about this is they have the idea that God restrains himself, limits himself in saving people. Like God don't God will not override your unbelief. We've heard Stephen Furtick say that or Furtick say that. Yeah. God will not override your unbelief. Yeah. Well, that's just not true. Yeah, it's really stupid. It really is stupid to put yeah, a limit on the all-powerful I'm not God. saying to be mean. It's just a very ignorant thing to say. It is an ignorant thing to say. And even in my mind, before I come to reform view of soteriology, I always thought that God left it up to us. Mm-hmm. The semi-Pelagian view. Yeah. That God sort of just woos us, then we have to make a choice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I thought God would draw everybody. You get that at least one drawing. For some for some thought, in my mind, I thought you got one drawing. Everybody gets one. Everybody gets yeah. one. You get the lottery one time. Mostly like, because of the verse. We can't talk about hitting the lottery. We're Baptists. You know, we're Baptists. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly yeah, because of the... I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. I'm most, sorry. Mostly because of that verse in Peter talks about not will and any should perish. Mm. I thought everybody that walks this earth would at least get one drawing right but you see how a bad theology could lead to more yeah. bad theology yeah but it causes I had that, you to believe things that are not there yeah that's what happened in my view and it just was inconsistent that makes sense it didn't line up with our verses of scripture mm-hmm. yeah i'm going to read this real quick out of the uh, london baptist confession chapter 10 paragraph one and this is a real good uh just explanation of effectual calling it says, those who God hath predestined unto life, he is pleased in his appointed and accepted time effectually to call by his word and spirit. So the, the method's not any different. It's by his word, by his spirit that he's drawing us out of the state of sin and death in which they are by nature to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God. Taking away their heart of their heart of stone, that's at Ezekiel thirty-seven, uh, and giving to them a heart of flesh, renewing their wills. So the wills that were bent against God, that would that would never choose God, uh, God's changing that will, and by His almighty power, determining them to them that which is good, 
and effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ, yet so as they come most freely, being made willing by his grace. We're being made willing by his grace. That's the effectual call. I think that right there is a wonderful explanation. And the London Baptist Confession is this awesome. It is. Yeah, it is. It's... uh, it's not, you know, I've said it before, but it's not as we hold it higher than the, the scriptures or anything like that. It's just, it gives very clear answers on... It exposits the scriptures. It does. It, makes it, so it good. does, and, you know, if nobody has it, if you've ever looked at a copy of it, at the end of every little section, they give you about a paragraph of just different Bible verses to go back to, to reference, to check the things that they're saying. But, um, yeah, the effectual cause, it's God's free grace that he's using to draw man to him. Yep. I just think, as we said before, I think when you get the idea that God limits himself in saving out of your mind and realize that he has the power and will do what he wants yeah. to in saving his people, it opens up the rest of these doctrines. Yeah, think mind. about, honestly, I mean, just from a no-brainer perspective, think about just how crazy that sounds that God is limited somehow. The God of the universe, the God that spoke it all into existence, the God that said, let there be light and there's light, the God that parted the Red Sea, the God that did all these miracles in the Old Testament, uh, that did the miracles through Jesus in, in the New Testament, that Christ done in the New Testament, that God is limited somehow? That's a very low view of God. The only thing God can't do is lie and go against his own nature. Right. Yeah, and and to be limited would be going against his nature. Yeah. He's all-powerful. That's right. See, I think from where we're first saved, I think our, I like what R.C. Sproul said, we're all saved as Armenians. We all have that view that we have a lot to do with our salvation. It's not 50%, it's not 75%, or even 99.9%. It's 100% God. It's monergism. It's all of God working to save his people. Amen. I'm going to read this real quick just because I want to. Psalm 3 and 8. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be on your people. I say amen to that. So I know it's probably a shorter episode, but you got some resources you wanted to share? I know you, I've seen some of your notes there. Looks like you had some resources to throw out there. The Bondage of the Will by Martin Luther. Yeah. How he refutes Erasmus on this. Yeah. The Potter's Freedom once Erasmus. 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 Hey, hillbilly theologian. That's man. right. Potter's Freedom once again by Dr. James White. The Five Points of Calvinism defined, defended, and documented by David N. Steele and Curtis C. Thomas. He had to be a Baptist. He just alliterated that. Defined, what was it? Defined, defended, and documented. Documented. The Calvinist movie explains all five points, the history of Armenian theology, how it's related to the law of Roman Catholic theology. It's got pictures and videos for those of you that don't like to read. It really illustrates it really well. It does. And the Reformed Doctrine of Predestination by Lorraine Bettner. Lorraine Bettner and Erasmus. <laughs> but that's all I got for resources. There's plenty more books out there, but that's some really good ones that I used to come know this. Yeah, and I, I know I said it in the beginning, but when, when you first hear the word irresistible grace, um, there's all kinds of thoughts coming to your mind. But just remember when you hear that, and somebody who, who is of the same belief as we are, that we're not saying that God's grace can't be resisted. It can be resisted. But those who God is going to effectually call, 
at the accepted time and the appointable time, he will call and they will come to salvation. Yeah. That's, I mean, the best, most simplest, plainest way that I can put that. So um, that's all I've really got to say about it. Seth, I thought there was a lot of, probably a lot of content in a short amount of time in this episode. So I hope you all take your time to go back and listen to it. And then tune in for next week's episode, which I'm really looking forward to. The Perseverance of the Saints is the last episode in our five-point series. Should be a good one. Eternal Security. Yep, old Eternal Security. I know we did an episode in the first season about that, but we're going to hopefully go into it a little little deeper. A little deeper, a little bit different angle. Well, not a different angle. There's no really different angle. Yeah, no, it's pretty much you're saved. You're saved. (laughs) Kept forever. Yep, there you go. Uh, Episode over. On one kind of life, eternal. Yep, that's right. Hey, man. All right. If nothing else, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. God bless and good night.